0: Hey folks, thanks for joining us and welcome to the very first episode of the Church Leaders Roundtable podcast.
1: Everyone, this is Stacey and I am no longer on church staff anywhere. So, short version is that I am had been I've been involved in churches since I was a kid and uh I mean grew up in a Christian home so you're assumed Christian and um (laughs) independent fundamentalist Baptist churches and that kind of stream until I hit 18 and then I went uh the opposite direction and went into um I tried to find the most Pentecostal charismatic churches that I could find and (laughs) I'm sure that wasn't those.
2: traumatizing at all.
1: No, not at all. <laughs> so then I uh, when I moved to Florida with my ex-husband, I joined a plant church um, that ended up falling apart. and then I uh, joined the Lutheran Church. And then uh, after leaving that church, I had been in that one for like five years. Then I joined the Vineyard Church and that was my most recent church. And during that time, um, like probably the second year into there, maybe the first year, the pastor started talking about end times like revelation and, and then delving into like hell and the different aspects of what people believe what churches teach about hell and i had absolutely no clue that there were different like beliefs on what hell was or wasn't or did it exist or not and um, and then he talked about Revelation and how like it's not all about Tim LaHaye and <laughs> Jenkins, Jerry Jenkins or whatever his name is, and left behind. And I was like, what? Like the Rapture is not going to happen, or people don't believe in the Rapture and all that kind of stuff. Okay.
2: But Kurt cameras say said, <laughs>
1: right? Oh no 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 no. See, when I was a kid, I was traumatized. This is this is a. Uh, Church trauma number one, when I was like eight years old. So I'm old. And um, my church. Nobody said that. <laughs> well, the church that I grew up in decided that it was family friendly for us all to see the um, tribulation series, um, Thief in the Night. um <laughs> All of those, right? I was mm-hmm. little when they were produced, and so we got to see them all at okay. church. I loved
0: watching the okay, what does it say about me though that literally, like three weeks ago, I looked up those movies because I'm like,
1: <laughs> I think I want to,
0: but like I want to watch them. I remember historical.
1: That's, That's why, like, if you watch them now, they're hysterical. Okay, back then, to me as an eight year old it was very traumatizing and that was like so you know growing up in a baptist church you know from like infancy that you have to pray and repent of all your sins and say you want jesus as lord you know to become a christian that's just how it's done in the baptist church so but i hadn't done that yet for whatever reason so it was that night after watching um i think it was a thief in the night The one where Patty gets her head chopped off. (laughs) I decided that I should probably pray. (laughs) You know,
2: we're already doing content warnings. Great. (laughs)
1: Sorry. We talk about. Yeah. So, how did I get. Oh, so yeah, that's what I grew up believing all my life. And I thought that that's basically what every church taught. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when our pastor was like going over what, you know, other churches believed. I was like, huh, let me look into this a little bit more. So, And then he was talking about other theological beliefs and what other churches believe. And he always like prefaced it with like, I'm not telling you what to believe. And I'm not even going to tell you what I believe. You know, he was like, these are the different, Things that people believe in, you are free to choose your own.
2: All right, your own adventure.
1: Yes, basically. So I chose my own adventure on out of the church.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Say, wait a minute, where was that page in the book? Here's (laughs) the deal: like
1: when we first started going to the church, like I was like, okay, this is cool. My husband was an atheist. And he started, he decided he wanted to come to church with us. My son was just like really little, like an infant basically. And we just, he decided that he wanted to start like being, being part of a community, you know? So he attended and he was like, oh, what the pastor's saying is pretty cool. And, you know, he was like being real and, you know, talking about Jesus in a positive manner and not all fire and brimstone type of stuff, which is what he had kind of experienced before. So I will shorten this, I promise.
2: <laughs> you're fine. You're fine.
1: So, Anyway, this pastor, though, it was very interesting because we had like the real extreme charismatic stuff going on. I don't know if you know Robbie Dawkins. He's from Chicago. You should, or I think from Chicago, anyway. I think he is. He's yeah. like, if you know who Todd White is, he kind of runs in the same circle as Todd White. Very supernatural type of
0: shit. So, Everything. Yeah. <laughs> It's an SFB, it's fine. Like you
1: have the power to heal attack people. from the enemy,
0: and yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yes. So anyway, we we had that extreme, but at the same time, like the pastor was really good about like allowing you to question things, and he would question things. Like he would. We did a thing on Brian Zahn's book. um uh, What is it? Happy in the saints. Uh, there's the sinners in the hands of God, right? That what's mm-hmm. his name wrote a long time ago. Jonathan and then, Edwards. Yeah. So then Brian Zahn wrote a book that was counter to that kind of happy okay. in the saints of God or something like okay. that. Okay. Okay. Um, so we did that, and then there were some other studies that we did, and um, and it was just really like. Interesting. So there were a handful of us that <laughs> kind of started really questioning things. Like, first of all, we were the ones that first ones to accept LGBTQ people in the church and being like, hey, we need to have this discussion because we've got LGBTQ people, you know, that want mm-hmm. to serve and that sort of thing. So then we were like, we started a God and Guinness group where we could discuss things and we met at some you know local bar and nice. had conversations so that was cool and then um but then I just started like questioning a little bit more and a little bit more and all this time I was like the worship leader and the office manager you know administrator and uh, <laughs>
0: Worship leaders are such trouble.
1: Well, here's the deal, though. I wasn't the official worship leader. I was just one of them because they would never, I don't know why they wouldn't hire me, um, even though I had all this experience, but I wasn't a guy. So yeah, I didn't have a trust. So oh. yes. exactly. Even though we're we're fully egalitarian. Fully. You know? We just don't
2: mm-hmm. happen to have anyone who reflects our values on the stage. We just happen
0: to exactly. not be able to find a qualified right. woman or LGBTQ or whatever uh-huh. that yeah. we can
2: f- we feel fits with the team. Yeah,
1: I mean they that's just yeah. don't
2: Happened to exist. We looked, I right. promise. Yeah. We looked real so, hard. We asked everyone on our Facebook and they just happened to be 97% white and we couldn't find what we did.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yes. So I think that goes under church hired, So we had one of our friends that was the white male worship leader, him and his family, they moved to California. So the position, I was the default fill-in. You know, and I told them, I said, hey, look, I'd love to, you know, step up and be the the head worship leader and stuff like that. And um, and instead they hired this really conservative guy. Wow. (laughs) As the worship slash youth leader, right?
2: Because clearly those always need to be the same person.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. You're
2: going to do effective ministry.
1: So he didn't even oh, last a year because he's so freaking conservative. Like he was Gee. like anti LGBTQ and like pro conversion therapy, and it was bad. Plus, then his theology was like very. Okay, so here's the funny thing because I was the administrator. <laughs> I'm always at the church, right? Like always at the church. So whenever he would come to the church, oh no. So the first couple of meetings that I had with him, he had brought his wife. What?
2: Yes, <laughs> Billy Graham rule. Yes,
1: and yes, yes. Then yes. <laughs> that was a I had
2: true saint.
1: Huge <laughs> office.
2: You no, know
0: he grew he up so He would Southern
1: never Memphis. be in the office with me. He instead would sit out in like right outside the corner of that in the fellowship hall to do his work but never in the office with me even though i'd have the doors wide open but
2: clearly you're going to cause him a stumble let's just say
1: oh i know because like i'm old enough to be his mom but you know i am not
2: believing you're as old as you declare yourself because i have the most gray hair on this call
0: (laughs) Okay, but I think Martin had gray hair when he was like 31. So, okay, so I was born with a patch,
2: but that's completely beside the point.
0: That's what I that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I like I see I see all of you folks in the the Facebook group and I'm like there's no way that you have a 25-year-old kid. Like what are you talking about? I don't
1: I just got married at an old age.
0: <laughs> I got married at a young age. It's really weird because all of our friends are like 10 years older than us. And I have
1: the crazy. opposite problem is that
3: my friends are all 10, 10, 15 years younger than me. So. <laughs> well, I was done getting married. I was getting divorced <laughs> while my friends were getting married.
2: I'm just trying to figure out how relationships and stuff work because I, was, I spent most of like my 20s and 30s trying to be heterosexual, so... <laughs> Wait twenty. Never mind. We'll get into age at some other point. Okay,
0: so Stacy. Like what?
2: What are friendships at this point? No, <laughs>
0: I I'm just trying to figure out. Never mind. Anyway, so Stacy, <laughs> tell us more about yourself.
2: <laughs> hey, Stacy, can we get coffee sometime? <laughs> <laughs> to
1: oh, get some coffee? Catch
0: up. I,
2: anyway. I just wanna.
0: I just wanna get to know your story. I just wanna get to know you. You guys. know, I just wanna love on you. I just want to know
2: (laughs) if I love you better.
3: (laughs) I think think Jesus is is
2: crazy about you. <laughs> can we get some coffee sometime? Do you like coffee? Like coffee? Stacy, <laughs> did did you did you finish sharing? Because I I feel like I wanna I, I wanna
1: think it was basically d- done. I
2: wanna day. dig into Sarah's story. And oh. Find out, <laughs> find oh,
0: out. Uh, I thought you were gonna you were gonna open up and okay No, see what, what church
2: leaders do
1: they is get everyone else to person. be true. on the And on the big dramatic notes, yes. That's and true. That
2: at the sing end sing we just offer a
1: just prayer. As I am, right?
2: Right,
0: right, right. Exactly. So, so after Sarah shares, it's going to come down to you and me. I mean, I'm,
2: no, I'm going to, I'm going to prompt you because also, like, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to go straight into praying. <laughs> Only if you pray in tongues. <laughs> oh my get, right. There's a whole Sarah. meme right now. I could I could break it down, but right now I was giving the floor to Sarah, so I, was <laughs> like, I am not in I'm not in the spotlight. So but Sarah, I just Sarah,
0: just tell me, Sarah, just tell me about yourself. Just I just want to get to know you. I, I want to know, know your story. I want to stop taking my words.
3: <laughs> hey guys, I'm Sarah, and I am a children and youth director at a church in small little Delaware. <laughs> Um, well, I broke up my family, got a divorce, and um, <laughs> didn't pray. Didn't pray enough for my marriage. Oh, <laughs> god! All, all the books that were recommended to me didn't work, or the I didn't, power of a praying wife. You didn't. That, that didn't work for the you either, huh? W- apparently.
0: Every man's <laughs> struggle didn't, didn't
2: get you through your marriage.
0: What?
3: How to talk to your husband so he will listen? <laughs>
2: So what I'm hearing you say? I
3: just found that book the other day.
2: <laughs> I'm hearing you say you don't have enough faith. Is that is that correct?
3: That, right.
0: <laughs> you know, Darren, you are really taking the whole like white
2: church plant pastor. As soon as that red light came on, it's
1: automatic. <laughs> We're gonna all need EMDR
3: tomorrow. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna have a three hour session with my pastor tomorrow. <laughs> all right all right sorry sorry
3: sorry no my my uh my journey i guess my dark side came after growing up in a church growing up into the um methodist church and really just believing you know being told what to believe um about you know marriage about love about sex about lgbtq you know about just anything, um, abortion, just all these, these conservative views that were just kind of told to me that I, I never questioned. Um, and then going through college and, um, you know, after feeling the shame and the struggle from purity culture that I was clearly, uh, failing at, um, you know, I was ruining my rose or whatever for my future husband and feeling all the the shame and the guilt. (laughs) And I got to the point where I I guess, you know, there was a point where I just said, "Well, well, why? Like, what's the point of doing all this? Like if I'm, if I'm no good, if I'm just like failing, you know, I wasn't reading my Bible enough. I felt like every day there was just like something that I just wasn't doing enough. Um, And just going through college and then my experience with my marriage and how my divorce was handled within the church um, and just feeling like um, it was a really toxic situation. And I felt like uh, people supported my ex more than they supported me Mm -hmm. um, and my children. And I, I really walked away before I got into ministry already just wanting to give up on the church. Um, just not, you know, having all these questions and feeling like, I don't, I don't know what to believe. Like I was told all these things about how to be a Christian and now I'm questioning everything, you know, like as you mentioned, Stacey, like how you, you know, were prompted to question things. I feel like I, you know, I just got to a point where I felt like, I I, I don't know what I'm doing if I'm doing it right or if I'm wrong. Um, you know struggling with why you know my friends aren't accepted you know my friends who identified as gay lesbian like why they weren't loved or why you know being on certain church committees um did we have to have such in-depth conversations about whether someone is worthy enough to serve based on you know a choice Mm -hmm. that they made and you know, it, it just really, I think, left a bad taste in my mouth. And I really just started questioning a lot. And then, uh, you know, joining Facebook, the wonderful world of Facebook and naively getting into these Facebook groups that I thought, you know, getting into ministry, we're going to edify my life and really, you know, give me ideas. And I just went in there with like the biggest WTF, like what is going on in here? Like, <laughs>
2: And you're all just, pastors. These people are pastors. What wow, this is a Facebook group about worship in church.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just really, oh, no. you know, rubbed me the wrong way. I had spent a majority of my career in like, you know, social services, social work. And so just really just being like, yep they didn't teach y'all about being trauma informed in here. Like just really <laughs> being turned, turned off about what I felt like was lack of empathy, just hate, mm. um, blatant racism. And I was just really, I think taken away by some of the views and some of the stuff that I was faced with. And you guys brought me to the dark side onto church leaders Roundtable, table. And I saw the conversations that were kind of happening. Um, and I really just was like, okay, so I'm not the only one. Like, it's okay to question these things. Like, I'm not, you know, bad or wrong to just question everything that I grew up. Everything um, that I was told was how to be a good Christian. And so that's what led me to, you know, where I am right now, still questioning, still unsure about certain things. Um, but, you know, I'm here. I made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm going after. <laughs>
0: well, you bring up a really you said something really interesting that like all these people like none of these people are trauma informed and I'm I'm starting my MDiv, my Master of Divinity, and one of the most amazing things to me is that we take like, Four classes to learn biblical Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. And we learn hermeneutics and we learn how to write a sermon and all these things, but not a single class in counseling or church mm. finances or like any of that stuff. And honestly, it does maybe 200 years ago, maybe even a hundred years ago, it didn't matter. <laughs> but now, Especially with social media, especially with further and further reaches, just the amount of people that are like, no, 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 I know how to read biblical Greek without using a dictionary. I don't need those apps. I'm like, I would rather have an app than memorize a an almost dead language, but know how to counsel my people. Mm. Um like I wish every everybody in the church was was more trauma informed. It would, I think, help out the trauma that we have in the church.
3: Mm-hmm. To really, you know, show empathy the way I think Christ lived His life. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Be careful there. Yeah, you're about to, <laughs>
0: you're about to teach people something. <laughs> so. Darren, if Sarah, you're done, Darren, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'd love to hear
2: your story and just
0: where you come from. I just want to learn to love you better, brother.
2: You know, Kevin, I so appreciate that, but I, I don't want to take up all the room. And I really want to offer you the chance to just, just tell us how you met Jesus. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. <laughs>
2: stacy are you are you are you, are you vomiting or are you like cat <laughs> up a demon I'm not sure my discernment <laughs> through zoom is not as sharp as Hold on. Darren, you know,
0: I'd love, Darren, Darren, I'd love to do that, but I feel like Sarah wasn't done with telling us her story. And so I'd love for Sarah, how about, did you, did you finish? Was there more? I felt like there was more that God was calling you to tell us about yourself.
3: You know, I, re- I, re- I really I appreciate that. I, I really, I really feel called to hear your story.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt. No, By stop. two or three shall things be established.
0: <laughs> um oh my gosh, you guys you guys are ridiculous, but I'm this is the most fun I've had already <laughs> in like a year. Hey everybody, my name's Kevin and I'm a pastor in Lawrence, Kansas. I'm I'm gonna start at the beginning because it all <laughs> It it all comes together like like I in nineteen
1: eighty six in fifteen
0: seventy two. No, so I was born. I was born in Guatemala. My my mom was a lifelong evangelical, uh, good church girl. My dad was a um, what he calls a traditional Catholic, where he would go to he would go to Easter Mass and Christmas Mass, and that was it. Um, basically and they met and they got married they had me and um, when I was four years old we moved to the states we moved to the United States um, to Houston and
1: and you did it legally
0: did it legally (laughs) correct um (laughs) Okay, so yeah. Praise gonna, God for
2: you doing it the right way. This, we're gonna go so many triggers even further. Right we're now. gonna go
0: twenty another twenty five years back. My mom was born in Orange County. So she was a United States citizen.
1: Wow. The levels
0: of disclosure that are not required really? in this conversation are profound. <laughs> you, know what? you know what? Stacey opened up the doors, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up the doors. The doors of
2: the church are open. The church get it all out are, as,
0: are open to enter as they are to leave. No, so so my, mom, my mom was born in Orange County, and, and her parents were Guatemala, and so they moved back to Guatemala when she was, I think, four or five years old. So when I was born, Stacy, I was a United States citizen. <laughs> I could run for president if I wanted to. Uh, Any so-
1: documentation, please.
2: <laughs> Welcome to the birther podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when I was four years old, we came to the United, we moved to the United States. Um, and it was, it was just a couple months after we moved here that you know, I had grown up in church. My dad in that time, my dad had, um, started taking his faith seriously. He, he had his come to Jesus moment, right? He, he became a Christian, an actual practicing Christian. Um, and so one of these nights, uh, we're at dinner and we pray over dinner and I just start asking questions. I'm like, Hey, why do we pray? Like, who are we praying to? What are we praying for? And I'm just asking these questions. So it was that night that I made the decision, Hey, no, I want, like, I want to be with Jesus. Like I know who Jesus is and I want to follow him and I want to, to, to follow the words of the Bible. But, um, I didn't take that seriously. Like any four year old would take that seriously. Right. Um, My parents eventually uh, became the youth directors, the youth pastors at the church we were at. And then my dad became one of the like associate executive level pastors. And then he basically became the senior pastor of that church. And so I just grew up in church. We left that church and went to a Southern Baptist Baptist church where we didn't want to get involved (laughs) but the leadership of that church asked my parents to start a Spanish Bible study. And then I got involved in the youth worship team. And so like, I'm just growing up in church, whether I like it or not. Right. Um, I'm talking five, six nights a week and all day on Sunday. And that's just, right. That's just what I grew up in. Um, And I had it in my head from a very early age that I didn't want to go into ministry. I did not want to be a pastor. I didn't want my kids to grow up the same way that I did. I didn't want to be in church till midnight on Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and and and. Um, and so when I got to college, what I wanted to do was I wanted to be a musician. Um, and and my my school changed the way things were done, and so my program wasn't available anymore. I went into business. Uh, I wanted to be a corporate lawyer. And it was in this moment that I'm working towards being a lawyer and going to law school um, and also being working part-time at the Southern Baptist Church I grew up in as the Spanish worship director and, youth, and Hispanic youth leader. Um, and that's its own story. For church trauma, for another time, um, but in this like dichotomy, I'm still very much running away from God. I'm still trying to not go into ministry. uh I meet my wife, we start dating she she ends up it ends up that she's pregnant with our who's now our first kid uh we get we get married. And I go into finance instead. I become a financial advisor and I'm perfectly happy in that world. I'm making pretty okay money, getting better uh, every day. And then my wife is pregnant with our second kid when I get fired from my job. And it was just one of those things where I was at a small firm and the owner of the firm walks into my office and says, I want your keys on my desk by the end of the day, you don't fit the company, you don't fit the culture uh, and you don't have a
2: future here.
1: Damn.
0: And yeah, no coffee or anything, huh? no coffee or he wasn't a pastor. So <laughs> yeah. That's and hard. we had left, we had left our church just a couple months prior to that. We had joined a, some, a church plant, in the area. And we were like, you know what? We're just going to, we're just going to be churchgoers. We don't want to be pastors. We don't want to be ministers. We don't want to be leaders. And so it's all this together. Right. And I get fired three weeks before Christmas. uh, And I spent the month of December, 2016, just wanting to kill myself. Like essentially that's just all it was.
3: Mm.
0: And I get to, I get to January and um, I make, you know, I've been praying this whole time. I've been trying to figure out what do I want to do? And the one thing that keeps coming back is uh, kind of the story of Jonah, where God says, it doesn't matter what you want to do. It's what you're meant to do. And what I felt I was meant to do was go into ministry. And so I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to start applying for churches And eventually, uh, I went through a a recruitment agency. (laughs) Eventually, I got uh, connected with a church in California. After a lot of prayer, we ended up moving from Houston to California. uh, And I was going to be, I was the worship pastor and youth pastor out there for a church of about 250 for two years. Um, And it was in that that I started looking, it was, uh, about the beginning of 2019, that I started looking to get out of there. Um, it just, it wasn't a good fit for me and didn't realize it for about a year in, yeah, about a year after we, we moved there. Um, until finally I said, you know what, I, it's just not a good fit. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And so I started looking for another church and we ended up moving to Lawrence, Kansas, right where we are now and much better church, much better fit, much better culture. Um, I love the people that I work with. I love the, the, the church, the, the people that, that I work for. Um, and so all of that together to say that I never wanted to be in ministry, never wanted to be a pastor And if I'm being fully honest, I'm still, I'm still thinking, you know, I could go get my JD. I could go get my law degree any day (laughs) at the (laughs) university of Kansas um, Mm -hmm. and make a lot better money. But then I like, honestly, I don't know. I don't feel like I would have any fulfillment in that, if that makes sense. Um, And it's not because it's, it's been church all my life, but it's, I don't know. It's just, it's a thing. I don't know if that doesn't make sense, but it's, it's what I know. It's, it's who I know. And we've talked about it enough tonight that there's so much trauma and broken relationships in the church that I'm like, no, somebody needs to fix it. And If it's nobody else, it's going to be me. And if it's me against the world, then that's what it's going to be. And that's it. And it's me and Jesus. And that's it.
2: Yeah. Second Tupac reference of the night, me against the world. All right.
0: (laughs) Darren, I'd love to hear, I'd love to get to know you better, brother, over this cup of coffee.
2: (laughs) So I decided that I was no longer going to share my story. And thanks for having me. Good night, everybody. there are literal truths to that statement um (laughs) yeah so hi i'm darren pronouncing him (laughs) joining the call from chicago and um was born in
1: 1971
2: Uh, yeah no um, i'm listener first time caller
1: 71
2: 79
3: 79
2: yeah (laughs) 41 on the call I still I still yeah, okay. use these gray hairs to, to claim the wisdom and authority of leading the <laughs> name,
0: it. Name, it. name it and claim it, brother. Stacy's about to pull my whole week. You're
1: off. a man does not give you authority over your elders. So <clears throat>
0: <laughs> wait, but he's he's a man, but younger than you apparently, and you're but you're a
2: woman. And and did the Bible say you could be an elder? <laughs> Oh man! Oh. These these comments do not reflect the uh, views of the speaker. So <laughs> these comments do not reflect <laughs> the views of the
0: podcast. Let me throw that out there. <laughs>
2: <sighs> yeah this this is this is off to a great start. Um, we've already upset most of our friends and some of our family. Um, well, and the, all
1: oh, of our family. <laughs> so, yeah,
2: some. <laughs> You know, we're 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 aiming for a hundred, but ninety-nine, because ninety-nine and a half won't do. <laughs> we're going after so, that one. After the one. I have to get that one really yep. upset with you. Um, yeah, I have been all over the map when it comes to theological belief, when it comes to church affiliation. Um, I grew up and in some ways I think that's helped. I grew up in a household that was Christian but was not necessarily affiliated with any any church. Um, and in that, like my first knowing God didn't come attached to an institutional structure. Um, when I was in like sixth grade or so, fifth or sixth grade, we started exploring Catholic church where eventually I was confirmed and baptized Hmm. and and immediately was like part of the leadership of the youth group and, and all that, um, did that faithfully all the way through high school and into college, um where we get the first hill and valley of this. Um, I got involved with essentially a, a non-denominational kind of charismatic Pentecostal type uh, group where we ended up founding a Bible study on campus. We, the Bible study got acknowledged by both the university, which was a Catholic university, and the, the church that this other person founded it with me was a part of. So I ended up getting ordained by that church. Wow. Eighteen or nineteen, I think it was nineteen. Wow. Like it was announced at eighteen, something like that. Um, but I also experienced at the same church um, the, the beginning of me um, two things happening, where I was prompted to never ever talk about having being gay, um, and I had the whole deliverance experience of that. Mm-hmm. And then where I was also told to to like you know forsake everything and, and get into you know, pursuing God by (laughs) denying myself and my family and my friends and all that stuff. Mm. So long, messy story short, I spent about eight years trying to be a heterosexual for Jesus. And at the same time, quitting school, shutting down my business, doing photography, you know, doing all the normal things that people are asked to do when they they become Mm -hmm. part of the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. and uh, after a certain point, I realized God might not be calling me to what that church was saying, you know, like when they said I needed to paint the, paint the church or <laughs> stuff like that. We have a whole episode coming on trauma, so we'll talk about it. <laughs> but uh, one of the other things that happened was in that space of being in 24-hour living into what the demands of the church leaders were, I had a chance to figure out that God wanted me and wanted what I could offer, regardless of what other people said about it. And so um, it kind of brought me back to that thing where God was loving me and talking to me in a relationship with me before I even knew a church. Mm -hmm. And here I am in a church living and sleeping on the altar, trying to change fundamental parts of who I am and how I exist in the world. And God's still like, but I love you and I got you. And nothing can snatch you from, from that. And so, um, eventually I left that church, um, moved back to Chicago after living at a, living in the old Sunday school in the, in Indiana, living in an old Sunday school room in a, in our other church in Indiana. Oh, you were serious Chicago. about sleeping on the altar. Oh, literally. <laughs>
0: yes. Okay. Physically.
2: Oh, I got, I got, I got Pentecostal degrees like <laughs> hanging on my <laughs> pretend wall that's behind me. Um, I just see your signature. Yeah, the the signatures <laughs> there, like on that artificial bookshelf that doesn't really exist. There are artificial degrees, in <laughs> speaking in tongues, laying on the hands, casting out devils. Oh, awesome! All, <laughs> awesome. Which you know we'll we'll get into it at some point because i've been through so many churches and, and, and spaces that they're parts of that that i still do um hold on to um, but that being said i uh, went to a non-denominational church that was like oh we love you we want to you know be a part of your journey and and we all have struggles and i was hoping for you know a, a fresh start in some ways a, a chance to be honest rather than celebrate it for things that are not Obvious to people, I do have the the privilege of straight passing in some spaces. Mm. Um, but once I would tell people that I wasn't straight or that I was struggling, air quotes, um, then all of a sudden all these expectations and rules and regulations would come. Mm. And so in this other church, I was like, okay, I've been honest and things are great. And then about two years into me being there, I got restricted from standing at the front of the stage, holding a microphone and singing. Um, you know, again, because they wanted to be faithful to what they believed, but what they believed actually made them sad and made them cry. And they were like, well, this is what the rules say because church policy is actually rules. It's not literally what the Bible says. Um, this is what the rules say. And could you help us fix it? And this was kind of the beginning of me becoming an advocate, um, me having to advocate for myself, me having to speak up, um, not only for my own story, my own case, but also for the cases of many others who are LGBTQ, um, and eventually also other people who are who are people of color who would get the short end of the stick when church culture intersects with oh we we have the intention and the right words and the and the soft heart we pray for God to lead us into a new way of living. Help us, Jesus. We have all that, but Mm -hmm. we don't have the actual feet on the ground, bodies in the pews, people in leadership who are changing things. And um, me becoming part of that change and empowering other people to make change in their own spaces is is what I do. And so um, my last big thing of this story is in 2016, I... not looking for a job and I was not looking for a new church, but I was invited to audition at the church where I am now. And it's a very, it's, it's, it's a very uh, unusual United Methodist church, but it is the place where for the first time in my life, I've been normal. Um, I don't have to explain things. I don't have to have special restrictions. I don't have to advocate for myself in quite the ways that I did in other spaces. Um, And it's a church that is very much in touch. We We're doing our work to be anti-racist. We're doing our work to be more inclusive, but we were founded with these values rather than existing for a number of years or decades even, and then going, Oh, we missed this part. And so I feel so empowered to like sit at tables like this, to to be around with other church folks who are all in all kinds of places on their journey. um, And to be like, yeah, That sucks. And we're, there's still something that I think we all can do. Um, I don't think we're all, we're all called to do the same thing. I don't think our journey should look the same. I don't think even our theology should always be matching per se. Um, but I do think we all have a role. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's my little story. Um, you can Venmo me or cash at me. <laughs> See, Pentecostals will teach you how to ask for money, although I'm still poor. I don't understand <laughs> oh, Southern Baptist. Have you, have you seen Southern Baptist churches?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> they will guilt you into giving more money than you are worth.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you know, that's how you get blessed.
1: Like the, blessed. In the Pentecostal churches, we'll give, there's, there's got to be an offering sermon uh uh-huh. It goes on for an hour and right. then they just go play music until you know you've given every dollar and then did,
2: did you get in the special offering line so you can get the blessing mm-hmm. that comes with a certain that. numerical value you yes. do that. of exactly. your sacrifice. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're not traumatized. We're just, we're nope. just we just love Jesus.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's funny it's so
0: funny you say that. A couple months ago I wrote a blog um, that, well, essentially all I did was it was a timeline of like major, just major moments in my life where I could remember, um, somebody being specifically racist towards me. Right. So there were a couple of things from like when I was in pre-K as far back as pre-K to as recently as like Christmas 2019, and somebody commented, a friend of mine commented, I shared it on my Facebook, and a friend of mine commented, I hope, I pray that you heal from all this. And their comment, like, rubbed me the wrong way. And I told my wife, like, I I have healed from these things. And it's because I've healed from these things that I'm able to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not still... Like I'm still working through some of them, right? But from a standpoint of how could a person who calls himself a pastor say these things,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? How could a person that calls himself a pastor, that pastors Hispanics say, Kevin, you shouldn't be a pastor because you were born in Guatemala. And so, and like, which is something that happened to me in, in June, right um and like that's like i'm working through that from a very physical humanity how do people do this standpoint but not like i'm healed from that i'm I've forgiven them. They're just stupid. That's,
1: that's all it is.
0: <laughs> that's a technical term there. That's a technical term. That's the scientific term for it. But no, I say, I say that because like, I think that the reason that we're able to come here and talk about these things is because we've had to work through them, because we've had to steal from them and yeah. and like get past these things because honestly, if we hadn't gotten past these things, we wouldn't be able to sit here and joke about them and just and laugh about. Hey, Darren, let me take you out for coffee. Let me get to know your story, <laughs> Stacy. I'm not going to take you out for coffee because I need to have my wife or another man <laughs> present. I mean, like, there's a reason we're able to joke about these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, that's honestly, that's part of why. I, i i want to have these discussions is is because everybody needs to know that they can work through them through these exact same issues and laugh about them
3: mm-hmm.
0: eventually <laughs> yeah okay. maybe not tomorrow yeah still hope <laughs> we can still we can still hope we can still yeah
2: hope. i mean that that is a really that is a really great point um it's like the aim of it isn't simply that we find something funny to make into a punchline, but more so that, at least for me, as, as how I approach this is, like, the church is a mess. And it's mine. Yeah. I, I, it's, I'm part of it. It's part of me. Um, and it's wherever I go. It's not a place that I show up to. Um, and so I'm going to fix my stuff. Like, I care about it. Uh, and I have the energy for it. Um, like I fully acknowledge that, like for some people, like it is a, it is a survival thing to have to leave the church Mm -hmm. and I fully support that. Um, but I, but I think who they are doesn't become anything less or anything diminished. It just means that, you know, the church is continuing to grow. Like wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are out there in the world, you are still a reflection of the image and likeness of God. And that's where the institutional church has fallen short in thinking that it is the beginning and the end. And it's not My mm-hmm. like God is the, the alpha and the omega, um, church, this expression of institutional structure and policy, that's just part of what God is doing in the world. Um, mm-hmm. and so when it says forsake not yourself, be assembling together. Cause I grew up in part of my journey was, uh, uh, King James. But uh, <laughs> when it says that, it's, it's it's like, yeah, we're the body of Christ. We're not the institution of whichever denomination is incorporated in whichever city, state, or country. Um, and I, yeah, so for me, like church leaders round table and this idea of us all coming to this table with something to say is part of how we get back to that. How do we how do we make what exists better? How do we make sure that people have a chance to heal, have a chance to contribute, have a chance for their gifting, their unique reflection of God's image? How does that get spread and how we let that shine?
3: I love that. I I really love that. And I I think for me, it's, it's my hope that, you know, through this experience, people will feel okay questioning and, um, feel like they can find what is their purpose. I like what you said Darren, about, you know, each of us having different paths and each of us having, you know, different purposes. It's not, you know, what the church, you know, said that you're supposed to do or, you know, your parent or anyone said this is your exact path or, you know, some of us, especially, you know, being a woman and, you know, not feeling valued being in leadership in church. Um you know, I think through the questioning and through the having the tough conversations, we're able to, you know, each my hope is that we can each find our own path and those of those listening to, you know, find your path and and really feel empowered to, you know, figure out what it is and who you are in Christ and who it is, what it is that you're meant to do
2: and who you're meant to be. Amen to that.
3: <laughs>
0: I think I think too many churches and too many pastors get away from that focus you know who are we each individually meant to be who what are we each individually meant to do um and i mean my context in lawrence isn't the same as as stacy your context in in florida or Mm
1: -hmm.
0: your context in delaware sarah or in chicago um like it's all it's all different. The way I do ministry here in Lawrence is different than how I did ministry in Cal in the Central Valley of California. Is different than I did ministry in Houston. Um, but if I get if I get so bent up, so so focused on no, I'm a pastor from Guatemala, and this is how we do ministry, then I've just alienated ninety nine percent of everybody else. Because I'm too uh, nearsighted and too focused on my context, and my context doesn't matter nearly as much as what you're called to do, what you're called to be, um, whatever that might be. Right? It's it's just <laughs> it's such a simple concept that. You know, I I want to I want to slap everybody and go. Why don't you understand this? It doesn't matter what God wants you to be. It matters what God wants me to be, and
2: that's it. Mm-hmm. That's that's part of that challenge of like I don't know about any of you, but like I know I was a per- perpetuator perpetuator of some of these very toxic ideas. I. I have stood on the bullhorn, we stood on the corner with a bullhorn and preached that God can deliver you from homosexuality. I have like had private conversations with people and, and encouraged them to be part of churches that I now consider toxic and cult-like. Like, like we've all done things that were in full faith and that, that we thought were, this is definitely the thing to do. And at some point, God intervened (laughs) and reminded us who God is (laughs) and what we're not. (laughs) He sat us down. He sat us down for
0: coffee. God sat us down for coffee. Yes. And reminded us. (laughs) But we
1: all got different answers though, because
0: that's fine. (laughs) No, and that's God
1: told me something totally different when he sat me down for coffee. That's the
2: spirit of confusion. Well, and, yes, and that's our show for today, folks. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for coming to
0: the Church Leaders Roundtable. Join us uh, next week for up
2: two. <laughs> Come,
1: you've been cast out. Oh, you've been shamed. Come, you who are looking for that mystery you can't name. Come, you cry I don't consent. Sin-
2: <laughs> you can't and make you know, me take a vaccine. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just going to randomly blurt out things that I've heard in 2020, and that's going to be my, uh, mm-hmm.
3: to be my contribution.